0: to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. I'm a customer at Artisan Botanicals. They're great people dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions whatsoever, you can give them a call, 405-458-9699. We're saving you right now 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com with the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y, Show, C-O-L-B-Y. S-H-O-W, discount code Colby Show to save 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. We are back, everyone. I I feel like it's been a long, I I would say vacation, but it's not really been a vacation not having power and internet for most of these days. But uh, last Friday... We lost power. It was in and out all morning, and then we lost it for an extended period of time in the afternoon, so we didn't do an episode on Friday, and then obviously Monday, Tuesday of this week, uh, the power issues followed by the internet issues, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just been one of those situations where I think we're all just trying to make the best of whatever hand we're dealt, so I uh, hope everybody out there is safe and uh you know, again, we're all just uh, trying to get through this thing the best the best way that we possibly can. So, jumping straight into today's episode, here is Aaron Davis. Aaron Davis, what is going on? We have power, we have internet, uh, things uh, are feeling like they're headed in the right direction.
1: What do you mean? What's going on? Uh, I'm just out here at uh, beautiful <laughs> Lake Thunderbird. I guess we just didn't get any snow down here um it's pretty warm 75 degrees and nice.
0: everybody should head out the uh the water's looking looking uh fairly different at Thunderbird today
1: yeah I uh it was a little dirty when I got here so I put some uh I shocked it (laughs) put some chlorine in it and uh it's clearing up real nice getting rid of some of that algae there
0: you go uh, it's gonna be a good summer I'm getting ready for spring break out here at Thunderbird it's gonna be a good time there you go uh speaking of bodies of water I saw you were at Lake Hefner last night how was that uh, that was pretty wild, actually. I, uh,
1: I went out there, like, earlier in the day on a different part, and just, like, it was nothing. It was just ice, like it had been. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna go downtown, take some, uh, you know, nighttime snowy pictures in downtown, o- downtown OKC. And then, uh, I just, and then I, like, I don't know, I, I, I forgot my wallet, and I was low on gas, so I decided to go back out to Lake Hefner by the lighthouse. And it was pretty gnarly. Like, I, I hadn't been out there in a couple of days, and, I guess there had been enough ice that built up. So when it started snowing, it just like a layer of snow on top of the ice. So yeah. Like, I mean, you saw the picture, like it just, it, yeah, it looks like it's just land going up to the docks uh, by, by Louis and all that stuff. But I mean, it's, they're definitely in the water. If you've been out there, they're, they're in the water and it's just, it was just covered by snow. It was pretty awesome. It felt like I was uh, in like, like Michigan or something. I don't know. It just didn't feel like I was in Oklahoma city. Hell, i I saw an otter run across the the ice at the lake. I didn't Seriously? Know there were otters at yeah, I didn't even know there were otters at uh Lake Hefner. I wasn't aware of that either, yeah, just came out. I was over on the uh side by Red Rock, like along the water, and uh I looked down and there's just like a little otter, and they're I mean you're not gonna mistake an otter for something else. they're like a freaking slinky like they don't look like anything else that right. would be running on ice and it was out for like thirty seconds, and I think it saw me and went back into the rocks. But yeah, it was pretty wild.
0: Maybe like maybe Red Rock Special was going to be some sort of smoked otter, otter. and the maybe. otter got away. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I don't. I don't. Hell, he could be. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen an otter in I've, Oklahoma City or Oklahoma. For I've ever. never. I know that there's a, like some spread out. Like I
1: know there's some down in the Wichita Mountains and stuff like that. But like they're very hard to find, and there's very few of them. But like. It was just one. it may yeah, he may be the only one in the entire <laughs> lake just munching on some birds. There were some little ducks out there, I think he was gonna go and try and eat one, but I scared him off, but it was pretty wild, yeah, I'm gonna post some pictures later from uh from the other side of the lake where I'm nice. talking about. It's pretty gnarly.
0: were you brave enough to uh try and step foot on the ice? uh
1: no, I actually did uh there was one point earlier though where I was walking through snow and I was like, man, this, this snow feels really deep. Cause it was, it was before we got the second round of snow last night and I was like, this is really deep snow. And I, I kind of looked over and I was like, I could see grass like a few feet away from me, like poking through the snow. I'm like, all right, something's up. So I like reached my hand down to fill the ground and it was just straight ice. And, uh, I just unknowingly been standing on this frozen lake for like <laughs> probably 10 minutes in one spot just nice. Yeah, I was Yeah, I might I puckered up a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh so you guys uh you guys made it through uh without ever uh really having too much trouble, right? Yeah, these last luckily we've
1: been Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate. It's been uh only a very brief power outage. Um I mean, it's been cold in the house. Like, it's been a a bitch and a half to keep the house above, like, 60, but... Yeah. We kind of... I kind of gave up on that a few days ago and just kind of let it be, at like, 65 or whatever, you know? I am legitimately nervous about my bills next month, though.
0: Yeah, everybody's going to have to pay, like, triple what they normally pay while also not having the services... Right. for, uh, ...for the entire month, yeah. Like, I'm looking at, like... I'm walking around
1: my house and like all my faucets have been dripping for like five days straight, and I'm just like, oh god, I'm
0: gonna have a $500 water bill. Oh, it's it's so brutal. So we we lost power Friday morning. It was on and off like all morning Friday, and then we ended up losing it for an extended period of time Friday. So I didn't end up um, recording anything Friday, and then we had no issue Saturday or Sunday. It was totally fine. Um, so we, we got through the weekend, and then on Monday, I did my uh, segment with Mike Steely on his radio show in Tulsa Monday morning, uh, and then went on about my day, was getting ready to record just after noon, and then we started having uh, flashes on and off again. Uh, so that lasted most of the afternoon, so I didn't end up recording on Monday. Tuesday, uh, which was today's <laughs> Wednesday, right? Yeah, Yesterday, Tuesday. Yeah. We didn't have power all morning. Uh, And the worst part about that was I had gotten up at 7.30 and right as I had poured the coffee in the coffee pot and hit start, like the power went out. So I didn't even have the coffee ready to go. So I ended up um, turning on the grill outside, boiling water. And apparently I just, I I read on my phone that uh, if you just boil water and then you turn the heat off and put like however much coffee you normally use in 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 the pot and then cover it, and let it let all the coffee grounds settle. Then you know, ten minutes later, you can just get like a ladle and do it that way. And it was fine; it it worked well. So I ended up having coffee that way. But we got power on around noon yesterday, but we didn't have any internet or television until uh, about maybe an hour or two ago today. So no no episode yesterday either. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been an adventure.
1: Yeah, I saw that uh you you and uh you and the little guy did some Hot Wheels uh rally type uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. situation. Yeah, we oh, had yeah. we had nothing to do, so we created a, a Hot Wheel track in the living room. We got uh all of his toys to to pose as fans of the races, and we raced about uh a hundred Hot Wheels down this ramp and um I used Basically, an entire phone charge uh, recording and editing and uploading that video. Uh, but uh, we, we had a good time. I was
1: watching the video and I was like, this seems like something that's fun for for the kid, the kiddo for like an hour, hour and a half. Get, you know, kids him entertained. But like, you know, this is a, this is a project for dad. It's going to last all day. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it actually didn't take that long. It didn't take as long as you would think it would. Um, Because we spent most of the time just racing cars and setting it up. And then like the shots, like I I didn't have to record anything multiple times. Like I literally just recorded the shots that you saw and then just kind of put them in there. And it it was pretty seamless. It wasn't too difficult. So Uh, and then like I, I probably played with the editing part like for as long as it took us to do anything else.
1: Right. Well, you know, I'm glad
0: that the uh the the Hot Wheels uh
1: production team is in a seamless uh Yeah. Just they're just, you know, all all gears are turning right now, so to speak.
0: <laughs> so we did last year we did a monster truck video. We raced monster trucks in the backyard and uh we, we did a tournament bracket and everything on a big poster board. That took way longer with, like, videoing all of the races and updating the, the tournament bracket and remembering, like, who was supposed to race who. So, on this one, we just, we had so many cars that we would race them, and then whoever the winner was, we would just pull that one aside, and then we would send all the winners down again, pull the winners to the side, and then we just, like, actually recorded the quarterfinal and semifinal, like, the final eight race cars. Uh, so... Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun though, and uh, he he did he never lost interest as far as the nice. racing went. So, and we've probably watched the video about fifty times. He's really, oh. really stoked that he made a Hot Wheels movie. Well, there you go. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's
1: better than whatever I did. Yeah,
0: that was that was our entertainment: me uh, making coffee outside on the grill, and then playing Hot Wheels most of the day. And I'm I'm kind I don't really have a whole. Great idea as to like what's happening in the sports world.
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll lay in bed and read my, uh, read my headlines or whatever and like check some box scores, but yeah, oh man, I like my whole days have just been. I it seems like ever since I guess Saturday, it's like Saturday evening when I was preparing for like all the snow, like all the days just run together. Yeah. Like, Sunday night, I was like, oh, it's, like, Wednesday right now. And then last night, or Monday, I was like, oh, it's Thursday. Like, I have no idea. Like, my, my whole reference, because I haven't worked in, like, four days. So, like, just, yeah, yeah, my whole, like, routine and everything has been thrown off. And it's, yeah, I, I, like, I forget the sports are even happening.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I watched, uh, let's see, over the weekend, I watched uh, the UFC pay-per-view but that was really, I think, the only sports I watched over the weekend. Like, I, we, we started, we were flipping through the channel Sunday, and Carter saw Daytona, and then, like, right as it was starting, there was some massive crash, and then they just quit racing for, like, ever. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, it, we had it on that channel for a long period of time, and nothing was happening, and finally I was like, okay. We're, I, like, I, I don't have a whole... Lot of interest in in uh, NASCAR anyway, but certainly when nothing is going on, and and he had lost interest by that point too. So we we never went back to Daytona on Sunday. But yeah, since then nothing. I've not watched any basketball. Um, what else is happening? Anything good? Spring tri- uh, pitchers and catchers reported today. I guess that's pretty cool. Is
1: it today or tomorrow? Or tomorrow? It might be tomorrow. Again, I yeah. completely like. I have no yeah. idea. I'm just. It's one, It's either today or tomorrow. We know yeah. that for sure. I
0: and know today's uh, Michael Jordan's birthday. I do know that.
1: Yes, that is. I I might uh, celebrate his birthday by binging all ten episodes of The Last Dance today.
0: Oh, nice. I um. I wonder how good of a rewatch that is. I actually, I actually
1: legitimately like did rewatch it you about did? a month oh, okay. ago. Uh, it's still pretty damn good. It's like, I'm not. It's been long enough that I've watched it, and I watched it on Netflix. I didn't even watch it the original run. Oh, okay. Uh, when they were showing on ESPN, so like it's been less time that since I've seen it than a lot of people. And most of it I remembered, but like I didn't remember. It's ten hours of content, so there was still yeah. so much stuff that I didn't remember. That it was still fun to rewatch it, and it, the production is just so it's so well done that it doesn't. It's not boring at any point. So. You, know, you kind of get the gist, you know, but again, it's, it's one of those things too, where the first time you watch it, you know how it turns out, like, you know, the end result. Right. right. So I, I think it's one of those documentaries. It's probably never going to get boring just because everybody knows how it turns out the first time they see it. So there's no shock factor. It's just the people are just entertaining.
0: Yeah. I think the the first time around the, the one thing that I had completely forgotten about that like kind of stuck with me this time was the playoff game where Scotty Pippen set out at the end because the play wasn't drawn up mm-hmm. for him. And I just remember thinking like that, that he would get absolutely destroyed if that happened in 2020 with social media and everything like the That's been my biggest take. That was my biggest takeaway
1: watching the second time is I, how like love Scotty Pippen is now. And I guess as when he was playing too, but like, He would be hated now. He's Draymond Green. Like, he is Draymond Green. Just on the 90s Bulls. Like, demanding trades. There were multiple times that he demanded a trade. I mean, with the 98 season, they go into it a lot. He sits out like half the season because he wants to be traded. Yeah, It wasn't the first time that he demanded a trade out of Chicago as well. Like you said, him just not going into the game because the play wasn't drawn up for him. Like, these are things, 100%, that, like, throughout his entire career, that would, uh, you know, people would hate him. He would be... Just a loathe NBA players if social media is around. And then uh, I watched a thing about the uh, – a little, a little YouTube video about the Rockets, you know, the Scotty Pippen, Charles Barkley, Akeem Olajuwon Rockets. Yeah. Same thing. Like, Scotty just, like, fighting with Charles Barkley constantly while they were on the same team together. And Pippen not, like, being upset that he wasn't more of a focal point in the offense. Like, yeah, he's a dude that would get absolutely destroyed – in so by social media and we, everybody loves him, man. Yeah. Cause he was, I guess, cause he was Michael's guy, like sidekick. Like he was Michael's guy that was always there next to him. So I guess because people love Michael, they love Scotty. I don't know. I, I'm very, I'd be very interested to kind of get a more in depth, like look at why people love Scotty Pippen.
0: I think part of this, I think is also why he's such an underrated basketball player because he was so overshadowed by Michael Jordan that nothing he did, good or bad, was ever going to be the headline. Like, it was never going to right. be the biggest story. It was always going to be secondary. And no matter how strongly you felt about Scotty being a really good player or doing something super douchey, like, that's it's second-page news. It just, it was, it's, that the shadow that he was living in was so massive that, uh, you know, I, I just don't think anybody was ever going to focus on, on anything that was happening with Scottie Pippen.
1: And you could tell, like, even in the documentary, like, you could tell, like, with them following through that 98 season and them showing the media scrums with Michael that the headline was never is Scotty going to be traded or Scotty wants to be traded. The, tr- the headline was more what does Michael feel about- – how does Michael feel about Scotty? Yeah. yeah. It was, like, what are Michael's like, my- is Michael okay with Scotty asking for a trade or, like it- – yeah, it was always – even in his, uh, in his own drama – scenario he was second fiddle to whatever Michael felt yeah which is I mean it's I I, honestly I don't know I guess LeBron maybe cast that shadow in Cleveland but outside of that like I don't know if I've ever personally experienced like such a like large figure in the sports world just like where nothing else matters around him other than what is going on with him
0: yeah and and you got to remember like I don't even think LeBron is at that level and LeBron is you know like Second to none, but Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. I felt like was bigger in that time period than LeBron is now. And we didn't even have social media then. Yeah. I mean, you could, they said it in the documentary, you like, and it's hard to argue
1: at one point in the nineties. well, hell, you could say for half of
0: the decade, he was the most popular person in the world. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's no question. Michael Jordan was just, it's, so much bigger than just a basketball player. That name.
1: Yeah, I think that not having social media helped too because it made him more mythological. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there was a lot more just like yeah. unknown and like bigger than life like thing to Michael Jordan. He wasn't going on so on Twitter and like replying to fans <laughs> or like yeah. you know it, it tweeting hit the out fl- it, You stuff. were able to hide
0: the flaws. Exactly. Yeah, no, I I agree no, it with that. It, it kind of created this, uh, I think, this image of Michael Jordan that's, I I think in some ways like not even, like not even a real person, almost like a, a god, right? Like he's just he's yeah. such a higher being than anybody else, and you know I I think sometimes like people uh, look at his basketball career and. Like, the, you know, there's the whole, like, LeBron Jordan conversation. And, and I, I, you know, for the people that are pro-Jordan, they make it sound like the guy never missed a shot, like the guy never had a bad game, like LeBron's not even close. And then for the people that may be on the other side of that fence, I think they kind of point toward what we're talking about, where it's just like Michael Jordan's legacy got elevated so much because of, uh, you know, the, the uh, Nike stuff and Wheaties and, like, the the highlight videos, like it just kind of, he, he kind of just became this image of a basketball player that was kind of portrayed as perfection.
1: Yeah. Do you think Tom Brady kind of has that,
0: that uh, aura around him that Michael Jordan had? Um, A little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's on the same level, but yeah, a little bit. I think it's
1: – yeah, because I agree that LeBron doesn't really have that. LeBron has more of a – like he's just a really good NBA player type type vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like – I'm trying to figure out how, to, how I want to say this. Yeah, I think that I, – I just like – I think that you listen to Tom Brady speak or you like listen to the way that people talk about Tom Brady and it feels Jordan-esque. Like even his peers, I don't think that LeBron's peers necessarily like revere LeBron the way that like Michael's peers revered him, or that like yeah. Tom Brady's peers like like the people that he plays with or the that he plays against like put them Michael and Tom on a pedestal that I don't think LeBron has ever
0: been on. I would agree with that. Yes, that's I think that's spot on, and that's not to say there aren't there aren't peers that think highly of LeBron James, but. You're, you're absolutely right. I think anytime Michael Jordan did anything, I mean, you know, like guys like Charles Barkley were right there, like being like, "Look, this guy is on another level than everybody else," right. and and you know, like godlike. Yeah, I mean, when yeah, when you're playing in an like like Charles Barkley is a perfect example. When you're
1: an, he's an MVP, best player in the league, the year that they went to the finals and lost to the Bulls, and for him to come out of that series, like still in his prime on a still on a team that just made it to the finals and lost, And to say that that dude is like the, is the best basketball player ever. And that like, I don't think that I can beat him. Yeah. I mean, that's you. I mean, nobody's going to say that.
0: Yeah. I I think this also kind of plays into the whole argument with Jordan and, and LeBron. I, I think people in Jordan's era feared Jordan. And sure. I think
1: so, too. Yeah,
0: I think while everybody in today's NBA recognizes that LeBron is the best player, I don't think the league is full of dudes that are afraid of LeBron James. You know what I mean? Like there's a big difference, I think, in just uh, the intimidation factor. And, you know, like anybody that ever wanted to match up with Jordan was sorry for wanting that in the aftermath of it.
1: What do you think that is? Because I think that The fact that he was the first that was that played the way that he did, like, because I think about like Kobe, and Kobe was the same way with like the mindset and like you know being so demanding of practice and his teammates and all that stuff. But I don't think that I don't think that there was that same fear with Kobe, and maybe that's just because Michael had already come. So like they kind of I don't know like what that is interesting though because I do agree that there was a like a big time fear factor with Michael, and there was probably only like a handful of guys that. You you could watch and tell that they just weren't afraid of Michael like Reggie Miller and like uh you know just certain dudes like I don't I mean I can't name them but there there were dudes that weren't afraid of but most of all like like the average dudes for sure were just afraid of it. but I don't think that like the seventh guy on the bench right now like you said is afraid of LeBron like they're not going to back down from LeBron they're I mean they're they might lose ninety eight percent of the time when they go one on one but they're not going to back down but I think dudes would probably back down from Michael.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and look, the game was more physical, I think, is one part of that equation. Michael was also a guy that if if uh, you crossed him in any way, he was not only going to try and score 50 or 60 on you, but people forget he was a great defender and he was going to yeah. smother you on the other end as well. Maybe Maybe
1: that's what it is. Maybe the fear from Michael is that you knew that he had that switch, and that, like, even when the switch was off, he was still going to get probably like 35. Yeah. And, you know, keep you to 15 points. But if you pissed him off, he was, there's nothing you're going to do to stop him from dropping 60 on you. Yeah. And what, and, and maybe that's because, I don't know. And LeBron might have that switch, but he just doesn't use it. Right. So. Yeah, you know, like he just doesn't flip that switch. I think like there's no reason to think that prime LeBron five years ago couldn't have scored sixty any night that he wanted to. Right. Agreed. He just never wanted to, but but Michael wanted to, like for any little thing. Even I mean, they told that story about uh, uh I was so, were they playing Charlotte in the like first round of the playoffs or something, and somebody said something to him, or like said nice game after the Charlotte had beat him, and like it never really happened and Michael just made it up to, to motivate himself to go like score 55 the next game. Like, yeah. I mean, that's just like a different breed of like athlete to be able to make up little things in your head to motivate you to be even more dominant than what you already are. And I think that Tom Brady does the same thing. I think that Tom Brady at this point, same with Michael, like when Michael got to 98 to his final season in Chicago, like, what else did he, he had to make up things to motivate him because he's done everything right, and I think that Tom does that same thing. And I think that's
0: like the Tom Brady uh, that, honey badger thing in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, yeah, perfect example. Yeah. Or like, yeah, it, I I think that that's probably why the only the only person, the only athlete in a team sport that you can like put up on that same like pedestal and that same level is Michael. It has to be Tom now even before he won his 7th title super bowl like i think that they're the only two that you could put up at that level together yeah because i think that they're a lot more similar than we think than we you know talk about
0: yeah it's it's weird because i don't feel like it, well in some ways they're a lot alike because they're both very guarded and the i mean how much we really know about them is is uh, such a narrow path, right? Like there are, there are players in the Mm -hmm. NFL that you feel like you, you really like kind of, not that you know them, but you get a really good sense of, of who they are and what their personality is like. And I don't, I don't get that sense with Tom Brady at all. Like, I feel like we get a, you know, I'm going to be media Tom Brady for you guys, but I'm, I'm not going to open the door into, you know, who I really am and never let you guys get a glimpse of that. And I think because of the time period, Jordan was kind of that way as well.
1: Yeah, I wonder if the the Tom Brady thing. I wonder if that's because he spent so much time around Belichick and it just kind of rubbed off. Or I just wonder if that's his natural personality. I mean, we'll never know. I I do think that Tom shows a little bit of his personality, uh, especially on like Twitter. I I I, I get his, he, you could tell he kind of he has a good sense of humor, but like other than that, like you're right, like he's very calculated. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to speaking to the media and the public and yeah, Michael is definitely the same way. I think that uh, they're calculated, but they're also they know when to open up. Yeah, which makes it a little bit it makes me even more hard to know what's real and what's not. But yeah, they're man. It's uh, the last dance, though, for sure. I mean, this is a long tangent going off of that, <laughs> but uh, I it, I think it's definitely worth a rewatch. Yeah, it's it's still it's still good stuff. There's still so much content that if you only watched it once. Even when you watch it with commercials or whatever, like you know, there is stuff that you probably miss for sure.
0: I know I've asked you this before, but I I don't remember. Uh, Were you old enough to ever remember watching Jordan in real time, or was it all after the fact? So, the first, the first memory I have
1: of basketball on TV was watching the Bulls and Jazz in the finals. But I don't remember which finals it was. I don't remember if it was the 97 finals or the 98 finals, but I I have a vivid memory of watching like maybe like half of a game of the yeah. finals. So yeah, I I I really did miss all of the Bulls Jordan years. I I remember the Wizard Jordan pretty, you know, pretty well,
0: obviously, <laughs> but that's funny because i i barely have any recollection of the wizard's years
1: yeah i think i I paid a lot more attention to it though because like i knew who michael jordan was like it it didn't take me long into being into sports to learn who michael jordan was and then he came back and played i was like oh my god i like i get to see michael jordan but it was just a you know out of shape 45 year old michael jordan (laughs) so Even I knew, I was like, this isn't the same. Like, I know that I missed something way better than this when he was with the Bulls. But, yeah, I don't – I just don't – it's not there. Like, I don't have – like, I know that how great he was. I know he's the best of all time, but I just don't have that, like, memory of him just, like, taking over a game in the fourth quarter and making, like, 10 shots in a row. Like, that's just not – those aren't memories that I have embedded in my brain. yeah.
0: Um, it's, you know, the, the thing with Jordan and I'm trying to think of a good, like example of this, maybe like Kansas city's offense with, with Mahomes, like when they're all healthy and everything, like it's one of those things where you just, every time they get the football, you expect that they're going to score a touchdown mm-hmm. and you're surprised when it doesn't happen. You're like, Oh wow. They like, they had to punt. That's crazy. Like, I felt like that was the way that Jordan was. But, like, with, on a whole other level, like, not only possession by possession that he was going to score every time, but, like, wins and championships. Like, it was one of those things where I I don't know that I ever, one time in any of those runs, you know, obviously they did win the year that he came back late in the year and and, uh, the Magic beat them in the playoffs. But in any of those six runs, like, there was just, I never, ever thought they were in trouble. Not once. Like, there was just this, like, they're, they're going to win. Jo- like, Michael Jordan yeah. will find a way. I don't know how, but, like, there was just never a worry. It's it's just the weirdest thing. Like, there's just this, like, you were surprised when he missed a shot or, you know, if they dropped a game, even, you were just, like, surprised. But it was never like a, man, they're in real trouble. They could lose this series. And I just, that thought, like, was never came across my mind. And I would imagine that, you know if
1: they did lose or he had a bad game even it was even more exacerbated like what how confident you were that they were going to win that game like i can only imagine like that feeling knowing that like they're going to the next game like especially in a playoff series yeah where if like they lose game 2 or something you're like there's literally no way that he's not going to score 50 in a game three right. and they're going to win and there's yeah there's no i mean basketball wise as many a good i mean there's been good players especially in the past like decade i think the nba is like in a really good place but there's nobody that I can think that maybe, but the, even the Warriors, like during their run in the middle of this past decade, it wasn't one dude that I was like, that guy's just going to dominate tomorrow right. and not like he's not going to let them lose, right? And and I and that's one that's one regret that I have for not being you know like ten to twelve years older is that I never <laughs> got that like organic in the moment like yeah feeling of watching Michael Jordan. And it's not I, – I, I, I haven't gotten it. I guess Tom Brady is the closest thing. Is When Tom Brady is yeah. in a playoff game or in the Super Bowl, I think that's the closest feeling I've ever gotten to. There is no way this guy is going to let that team lose.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it, – and, and, and even with Brady, though, it's like a different thing because, like, especially in the last two championships, like – Again, I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady, but like he didn't, they didn't win because of him. They didn't win because Tom Brady was the best player on the yeah. field, and they didn't right. win because Tom Brady was the best player in the league. You know what I mean? Like even yeah. even with the Brady thing, it's it's on a different level than it was with Jordan. And yeah, it's just it's I don't I don't I don't feel like I can really express it uh, in a way that does it justice, but. Like, LeBron James, throughout his career, there's never been a point where I just felt like he's unbeatable. Like, no, there's never been a single point in his career where I just thought, like, nobody can compete against LeBron James and, and his team. Regardless of what, te- you know, he's had some really good teams. He's had some not-so-good teams. He's had some teams that he had to do, a, I mean, everything for to even get them in those positions. And then he's had teams that, you know, he obviously had Hall of Fame teammates. But... There's just never been... Maybe this last year with the Lakers. um, But, I I mean, even then, I don't know. I I just... There were times that I thought this team could be... Miami
1: pushed them. Yeah, I thought
0: this... But, like, with Jordan, it was just never... It was never in doubt. Like, not one of those championships did I ever think throughout the entire run, like, they could be in trouble.
1: And I don't think... And I, I think with LeBron, I think there's a lot of factors. I don't think it's just because... Like, he hasn't won every finals appearance that he's made. I I, I think that it's – I probably started early, honestly, with the fact that – like, remember the whole, like, the like big story and, like, the big narrative around LeBron was that he would never take the last shot? Yeah. In his early days in Cleveland, like, it yeah. had to have started then because my, I mean, Michael came into the league as a rookie and was immediately taking the last shot of the game. Like, they're th- like four games into the season in his rookie year and he was right. already the dude that was going to take the last shot. And LeBron should have been that guy. But you know, different mindsets. I guess LeBron has, wanted to be more like Mike, Magic Johnson than he wanted to be like Michael. Like Kobe wanted to be Michael, and it's just different mindsets. But like we, we've developed this perception of LeBron that like we he's easily beatable.
0: Yeah, and and look, I mean, he has been beaten. It's you know, that's it, it's not incorrect. Uh, but like the the whole like taking the shot at the end of the game thing, I've I've always thought was. I thought it was a little
1: overblown.
0: It, a little bit, for sure. Um, like, I don't, it's hard to explain this, the Jordan part of this because it, it's like, you felt like if Michael Jordan was taking that shot, he was always going to make it. And, you know, we look at LeBron and LeBron's like not necessarily on the same level as far as being a shot maker. And LeBron's such a great creator for others. But, like, two of Jordan's championships were made, you know, like, they beat the Suns on a John Paxson three-pointer. One of those Jazz championships came on a Steve Kerr shot. Like, it's it's not like Michael Jordan was always the guy hitting the big shot. Like, Michael Jordan was a very smart player, and that's one thing he probably doesn't get credit for. Uh, but, like, Michael Jordan understood that there were going to be moments where other guys had to hit shots and other guys were going to be open because he demanded so much attention. I just think that uh, like Jordan was probably just so much more calculated as far as when he was going to defer those situations than LeBron has been. Yeah, it...
1: Yeah, I, I guess the it's it's hard to have this argument. I guess at the end of the day, because Jordan just really didn't fail. Like, there's just no there's no counter argument to go against Michael Jordan, and almost any argument you're gonna make about basketball or, or sports, anything, just because he just really he really didn't fail. I mean, what, especially yeah. once he got to, they got past that hump of beating the Pistons in the early '90s, like there just was no sense of failure. And like you said, they lost that one series to Orlando when he came back. And, but even then, like in that series, the, I don't remember who it was. If it was Greg Anthony or somebody else or Nick Anderson, whoever said it, but they said that, like, oh, that's not Michael Jordan. That's, that's number 45. That's, not, that's <laughs> yeah. not Michael Jordan. Yeah. And then he comes back the next game wearing 23 and drops like 50. Like, it's, just, it's one of those things where even when they fail – they win. And I think Jordan's the only dude that's been able to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's just competitively, I think there's, there's, and, and I, again, I, I point to this when we kind of have that Jordan LeBron argument because they're such different players that, number one, it's it's hard to compare them anyway because they're so different. Uh, but I, I think what's always been the separator for me is just, you know, the, the drive that Michael Jordan had to win uh, and, and how I think that is so transparent when you watched him compete uh, that not that LeBron isn't driven or, or, you know, isn't one of the most driven athletes ever, but I just think there's a gap between the two.
1: I agree. And I, for a long time, I just wanted to because LeBron was like my era. I always, I wanted to like make the argument and just be on the team that, you know, LeBron is the best ever. Yeah, LeBron is the like the greatest basketball player of all time. Just because you know, trying to you know fight for my team. But (laughs) as as I get older and I kind of watch more Michael Jordan games and like, even if I know the, it's not as fun because I know the outcome. But like, you know, and I hear more about him and I I listen to him speak more and I'm just like, that LeBron is. LeBron might be second, but Jordan is. He's just. He's there's too much separation. Like I don't think there's anything that LeBron can do over the next if he plays seven years. Still, I yeah. don't think there's anything he can do. Like he could be the leading all time leading scorer, assist leader, rebound. Like whatever he could set all the records. I still think that there's it's gonna be a tough argument for him to be better than Michael Jordan.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, you know, like, like Jordan again. My point: Jordan at his very best was just unbeatable. Like nobody yeah. was going to beat him. And that's the difference between the two. But you know, LeBron is uh, like I said, it's so hard to ju- to compare the two guys because they're so different. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I think that uh, the Lakers win another one or maybe two more and that discussion becomes even more relevant, but it's never going to go away. I'll tell you that like it's people are going to debate that forever and it's probably a generational thing.
1: Oh, it for sure is. It's it's my generation, you know, trying to make that argument for LeBron. Yeah.
0: I would say this. The people that watched both guys play, like, I don't think, I don't think that m- many, is probably the best way to say it, because there, there certainly are some, but I don't think there are many people that watched both guys play that would say LeBron was a better player.
1: It, it, see, that's kind of why I was getting at earlier with me not like, wishing me wishing that I would have gotten that organic like sense of watching LeBron play or not LeBron, excuse me, Michael is because like you look at the six rings and you look at the stats and like Michael's not in the top three all time scores. Like he's and, and, like none of that stuff at the end, you know, especially by the time LeBron's done. Yeah. So like we look at that and all this stuff and we know he has six championships, but it's that I feel like it's that sense of, Watching Michael play a game in like February, where, like I said, he makes ten shots a row in the fourth quarter, or, like you said, like that sense of like you, there's just no way that Michael's gonna lose, yeah, and i I feel like a lot of people any like people that watch both understand that sense of Jordan being bigger than life off the floor, yeah, but also like the way like his game was bigger than life, like his game created a sense of there's no way it's going to fail in a game where it's not to the extent that baseball is, but you do fail a lot in basketball. Like if you make half your shots in a game that you had a pretty damn good game. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, to get the sense that Michael is going to make all of his shots that he takes in a 48 minute game, like that's just not, it hasn't been replicated. Cause I mean, like LeBron, he shoots a three, you're thinking it's probably not going in. You I mean, you just yeah. don't get that sense with Michael, especially in a in a league where you, like you said, you could hand check. It was a lot more physical, and it's for him to still develop that stigma around his game that he would never miss. Is there's, yeah, there's no way that if anybody that was like watched Michael and could appreciate what he was doing could ever make an argument for anybody else, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: yeah, agreed. Um, you'll like this. I heard this last week, and I was gonna, I was gonna do a little thing on it at some point but uh, speaking of shooting I heard I think it was pardon the interruption um, I had it on in the background and I heard them debating that Seth Curry is a better shooter than Steph Curry
1: Uh, based on what?
0: because Seth Curry shoots the three at a 50% rate this season and Steph Curry shoots the three at a 42% rate this season did anybody like make the argument that Seth
1: Curry is like the seventh best player on his team? And on most occasions, they're probably going down low to Embiid and Embiid's getting double teamed and kicking it out to a yeah. wide open Seth Curry. Yeah. Meanwhile, Steph is getting double teamed because he literally has no help offensively on that team. And he's making, you know, threes from twenty six feet double teams. Yeah.
0: That's I, a stupid argument. Why would I they th- bring I, that? Like, I was like, these are actually these are people that work in sports. That are making the argument the that this guy's shooting Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not not like not like Skip Bayless or like somebody no, just like no. trying to say something
0: ridiculous. I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure it was it was uh Kornheiser and Wilbon. Wow. And uh, they were like, I mean, this guy's making fifty percent of his shots. And then they, they went as far as to say something along the lines of like if you had I don't even remember the way that they put it, but like the the gist of it was if you had one shot to win a million dollars, would you rather Seth take it or Steph take it? And I that's... Why,
1: uh, both wide open? Steph, yeah, I mean, right. Seth's a really good three-point shooter, but... Yeah. Like, to imply that Steph... I mean, to even imply that Steph wouldn't make the shot is ridiculous. Like, we've seen clips of him making 100 threes in a row at practice.
0: I'm, I'm so glad that you are as worked up about this as I was last week because it was one of the most preposterous things I've ever heard and again simply because they were like well well Steph is shooting like 8 points 8 percentage points less than Seth and I immediately pulled it up and I think at that point Seth was averaging 4 three point attempts a game and Steph was averaging 11 three point attempts a game and and your point about Seth Primarily shooting spot up three pointers after people kick it out to him versus Steph shooting lots of shooting threes off, off the, the dribble, dribble yeah. in double teams. I mean, from you know six, seven, eight feet behind the three, like it. The the fact that it's even that close when you consider the uh, the different kinds of three pointers you see from Steph basically on a nightly basis is just wild.
1: It's like it. It's like somebody saying that. Hideo Nomo is a better pitcher than Greg Maddox because Hideo Nomo has more strikeouts. Yeah. like It's just like the comparison is more ridiculous with the Curry thing, but like one's clearly just better than the other. Like you can use whatever metric you want to make an argument, but watch the tape. One is significantly better than the other. There's a reason that Steph Curry – Gets, is that one of the highest paid players in the NBA and Seth Curry's on a different team every other year. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, I was like I didn't even I I just I got so irritated at that thought and then I just ended up being like that's it's just comical how crazy that is to even bring on a national television show.
1: I think I think it hurts me a little bit more because those are two dudes that like were very uh instrumental in my childhood growing up for my love of sports, like coming home from school every day and watching PTI. And now they're just two old kooks saying stupid
0: stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really, really bad. By the way, I'm just, I'm watching this right now on my Twitter. Jose Canseco just tweeted. I don't know if you know anything about the Jose Canseco, um, Billy football thing with barstool. But yeah, Billy
1: football knocked him out, didn't he? Kind of.
0: Uh, kind of. <laughs> Jose Canseco just tweeted, I want a rematch with Billy football once my knee and shoulders are healed properly.
1: <laughs> the dude is out of his mind. Good Lord. That was. that. Okay, I mean, that's one thing. But also, Canseco saying that uh, he turned down Madonna because she was too ugly.
0: Yeah, wasn't, Which, wasn't his style or however he put yeah. it. It wasn't like his, yeah. Okay. I mean, we're,
1: Madonna, people, I mean, we're not talking about Madonna when she's you know, 65 now. Like, Madonna right. in the early 90s wasn't, wasn't too bad. Like, yeah. to be so smug that you're saying, oh, Madonna's too ugly for me.
0: That was my <laughs> big takeaway. Yeah, yeah. What a uh, Jose can say. I would still, he's probably, uh, he's on the Mount Rushmore of great podcast guests. That you could oh, possibly get. Is he, is he on the is he
1: on the Mount Rushmore for greatest Texas Rangers?
0: Like the wall of shame, maybe? Is that maybe? on there for you? No, the greatest of all time. The only thing Jose Canseco, well, he did two things as a Texas Ranger. Number one, he took a baseball off the top of his head to,
1: yeah, to awesome.
0: give someone else a home run. And then he basically got everybody on steroids that were... That were on that team. Uh, well, you're welcome, Juan Gonzalez.
1: <laughs> Who knows? Pudge may not be in the Hall of Fame if Jose Canseco <laughs> never went to Texas.
0: Bite your tongue, sir. Bite your tongue. <laughs> no, I know he was terrible. Yeah. I just uh, was you. I mean, he was. A, um, he was. He was a badass with the Ace, but. Well, yeah. Yeah, but hell.
1: Yeah. Okay. Look, answer me this: Do people still consider Mark McGuire the home run king? Because I know Barry. Everybody's like, "Oh, Barry Bonds, he was steroided. Like, he doesn't count. I don't. He don't I don't recognize him as a home run champ." Do people consider Mark McGuire the whole, like single season home run champ? I mean, like, I don't those know. people that are saying, "I don't know how you," that Barry Bonds. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, seems a little uh, hypocritical to completely negate Barry Bonds at seventy three, but count Maguire seven. I don't
0: know anybody that would say that Bonds doesn't count, but Maguire's does. I mean, if you take out Bonds, then you have to take out Maguire and Sosa as well. Okay. Okay. I
1: I just wanted to make sure that, like, there weren't people out there that you've interacted with. No, I've never had anybody
0: tell me that. But, uh, you know, there are people that don't, that, you know, before any of that, didn't think Roger Maris was the actual home run king because he played in more games than Babe Ruth did. So, I mean. Okay. (laughs) sometimes you know it's well you know what uh you know what i think i think
1: that uh if you actually if you actually look at nolan Arenado's, you know uh you know per nine like he's actually the real home run champion because uh (laughs) if you average last season out where they only played 50 games to you
0: know a normal schedule he clearly would have won he was on base so real home run champ yeah they played more games in 1960 whatever than they did when babe played so it doesn't count I mean I mean
1: I I guess that's an argument if you're making it like if you're looking for an argument that is an argument that you could make but at
0: the same point like what doesn't matter are you are you over the steroid hall of fame stuff like do you do you want to just like, so I, let the guys in or do you you want to hold on to it forever? I, I've said this before. I said this on our show. So I think that if we're going
1: to, I'll start specifically with like Barry Bonds. I think Barry Bonds, despite being on steroids, even though he never tested positive, but clearly being on steroids later in his career, I don't think it matters. I still think that he is one of the best. I mean, I, I don't know how many ba- players are in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but say there's a hundred. He's absolutely one of the best hundred players, regardless of steroids. The fact that he for sure like steroid steroids don't give you the ability to see one pitch in the strike zone in a game and hit a home run. Yeah, like this. There are things that he did when he was on steroids that nobody else could do, despite the other people being on steroids too. Like he's the only one that could do that. And then you, I mean, you look at his career, uh, you know, before what, like 96 or 97, like he already had a hall of fame career with his early years in Pittsburgh, his years in Pittsburgh and early years in San Francisco. So I do think that's stupid an argument, but I think that the baseball hall of fame in general is kind of just, it's just old, like crotchety voters, like people voting for it that don't want to let these like newer players in. Like there's just been the sense of uh, like especially baseball has a sense of purity I guess and like unwritten rules and like kind of like this is how it's supposed to be and like the game can't evolve yeah. like the DH like I like I've heard numerous stories about the DH being this controversial thing when they added the DH and then like you know adding the wild card like oh my god but see he's adding a wild card team he's ruining baseball yeah and we're still stuck with those same people that had that same mindset voting on the hall of fame so I mean it sucks for those dudes like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens who feel how you will they'll never get in because they're trying to convince these guys that think baseball should be played the way it was in the 60s where if you're going to cheat, you know, spit on the ball, don't, you know, use drugs,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. I it's it's you know I, like on the part of it pe- people have always found ways to to cheat, right? Like... Baseball, it's the the oldest thing in baseball is cheating. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's it's not something new for these guys, but I think a lot of people hate the fact that, especially with the home run guys, like, they were breaking records because they were cheating. And... So I... Part of my thing is, like, you still have to hit the ball. And it's not like just taking a steroid shot automatically just you know makes like an infield fly turn into a home right. run like you still have you, to hit the ball you still have to hit it a long way not not that it doesn't help make you strong and doesn't help your power but the main thing i've heard forever is that you know where a lot of these guys at the end of the season would start to trail off because it's a long season and the grind of playing every day for 162 games starts to wear you down. That was ultimately the biggest advantage it gave them was just basically giving them the ability to show up every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like in a in a video game, for example, where as the longer you play, your stamina goes down. Basically, gives them the ability to show up the next day and their stamina is back up to like fully charged, so to speak. Um, so, it, you know, on that front. I get it. I I think for me, I've changed my mind on this quite a few times, actually. I think right now where I sit is it doesn't necessarily bother me as much as far as like them cheating. And, you know, again, you have a a whole era of guys that have been associated with it and in one way or another have either been linked to it or have had rumors about them. And I don't know where we draw that line. But at the end of the day, it, I, I think if you want to get it out of the sport, if it's that big an issue that you don't want it in the sport whatsoever, really the only thing you can do to to prevent the best players in the game from doing it is say, we're not going to let you in the Hall of Fame. So if, if that's what we're doing as far as a punishment for cheating, then so be it. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm a Major League Baseball player and you tell me that the punishment is 50 games versus, you know, the alternative, I... I mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm not going to try the alternative
1: here here's my and this has been my stance on it forever since this became a thing since like going back to like the 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 i guess this i guess it's all really came to light like in the with the balco stuff and like the Congress the congressional hearing and yeah. stuff like that but what like I, I don't i I just don't understand the argument when you're saying, "Oh, Barry Bonds can't get into the Hall of Fame because he put up so many home run numbers on steroids." But I'm like, "Yeah, but he had a steroid. A, a roided up to Roger Clemens pitching to a roided up Barry Bonds, <laughs> grounded out, grounding out to a roided up Alex Rodriguez at shortstop, yeah. throwing to a roided up first base. Like, what? Everybody was on steroids, so it's not like Barry Bonds being on steroids gave him a you know an advantage over his the rest of the league." when 80% of the league was probably on performance-enhancing drugs.
0: Yeah. I just don't know where you draw the line. Like, if you're not going to let Barry Bonds in...
1: He's the most deserving of any player that's been linked to steroids, for sure. Right.
0: And, and here's the other thing. Like, what is officially being linked to steroids? Because, you know, Pudge Rodriguez was implicated by Jose Canseco. Pudge Rodriguez is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. There. I mean, do we do we draw the line that you have to have a positive test because Bonds never had a positive test, right? Nope. But nope. we obviously know that he did it. Um, is but, it? Yeah. You can
1: look at his head. Yeah. Throw
0: nine and a half hat sizes. Well, and he ended up he ended up saying that he did, but he didn't know that he was taking it. Right. There was right. the whole like, yeah, but it was unknowing. So okay, how about those guys? Like the guys that that ended up testing positive, but they were like, I didn't know I was on it you know i didn't know what i was taking now i'm not taking it what about the guys i think david ortiz tested positive at one point he did and yeah. the commissioner of baseball said that it it could have been a faulty test so cuz he was fat <laughs> we don't know that it's a faulty test but we don't know that it's not a faulty test so what do we do with david ortiz like there's he's 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 fat and people like him it's got to be <laughs> a false positive yeah i, I just there's not a clear cut way to do it. And I just don't know if, if you want to say that we're going to keep steroid guys out or we're going to let them in. Like if you're keeping them out, where do, where do you draw that line? Because Pudge Rodriguez is implicated and he's already in.
1: Yeah. I, I personally think that you should treat them like any other player. I mean, if if you want to do a whole wing in the of the hall of fame of the steroid era, yeah, that way, you know, it's still like, because there's like to say that Barry Bonds is not one of the best players of all time right. in the history of baseball is ridiculous. Right. To say, and the same thing with Roger Clemens, to say that Roger Clemens isn't one of the best pitchers in the history of baseball is obnoxious. And I think, and I think it's more insulting to the game to not acknowledge their the fact that they were some of the best, regardless of whatever enhance, enhancing drugs they took. It doesn't make you a better baseball player. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's part of like for not like non-baseball diehards. I think that's one of the hardest arguments to get across is that there are dudes batting two ten that were on steroids. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of them. Right. Like being on steroids does not make you a good baseball player. It might help you hit the ball like ten feet further than if you weren't on steroids or twenty feet or you know, it might add like Two miles per hour to your velocity
0: on your on your fastball, like whatever. It's going to help but you like train you said, harder, and, it and it's going to allow you to yeah. yeah show up every day with uh, a little more little more gas in the tank.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't make you baseball is a game of skill. Yeah, I, I've always said this: baseball is eighty like eighty percent skill, twenty percent you know athletic ability. That's why Bartolo Colon can play in the in Major League Baseball <laughs> yeah. for twenty years. That's why David Ortiz can be one of the best hitters of all time. Like these dudes are not like. Athletically gifted people in my mind, but they're just it's a skill game. It's a skill game You can't you cannot make it at a high level in baseball just based on your athleticism Because there's been a lot of athletic dudes that don't do anything. Yeah
0: Yeah, I I, my only thing is I just I, I don't mind if if somebody out there says I'm not going to vote for them because this is the only basically recourse we have as far as being a deterrent to the great players in baseball of, of doing something like this. Like there's, there's yeah. no other punishment that can prevent you there from taking that, that chance, right? Like what else is going to, unless baseball decides they're going to start handing out like two year penalties or, you know, they're going to take away your contracts or, you know, you're going to have to return your money. Like the current penalties in place, I, I in my opinion, are not nearly severe enough for anybody that's considering taking it. If they've gotten to the point that they're considering it, I don't think any of the punishments right now are deterrent enough. Saying to, I don't know, Mike Trout right now in his career, like, hey, if you start taking this, not only are you going to get better, but you're going to start breaking all these records. Like the only thing that probably prevents him from doing that, again, I, not a personal thing, I'm just using his, him his, as an example, mm-hmm. But say say to him, you get caught, you're not getting into the Hall of Fame. That's significant.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, do you do you think it's prevalent today in baseball? I'm sh-
0: I'm I'm sure there's some. It may be, terif- form, it may be terif- Yeah, there's some yeah. form of of it out there. There's something that's approved for the, those guys to take that you know is probably or something that we don't know about right now. And then you know maybe ten years from now they're going to be like, well, it wasn't on the banned substance list just like it wasn't when those guys were playing, you know what i mean? like it's i don't know. there's people are going to push the boundaries regardless. i think sometimes we just don't know what questions to be asking in the moment, right? like there there might be something else out there, but everybody's so focused on steroids that, you know, nobody's asking like, "hey, is there a substitute that might be being used or?" yeah, yeah I, I think don't know.
1: that i think we're, i think Adderall is probably I, I feel like Adderall is probably one drug that's probably widely taken across the league yeah. in, in baseball. And, and that's, I mean, you're getting in a real gray area with that. Cause I mean, you know, yeah. it's, you could say I have ADHD and my doctor's prescribed and I've been taking it for 15 years. Or you can just take it because it'll help you focus. I, you know, I feel like it's, we're getting to the point where it's more stuff like that and not just like yeah. things that are going to help them work out.
0: Well, again, it's, but it's a long season. It's 162 games. Like a player taking Adderall may not,
1: just probably, yeah,
0: yeah, may not help them whatsoever as far as baseball goes. But a player that is, you know, h- struggling to get through the week, and you know the the gas tank is low, it it just helps them in that department. Like, Lenny yeah. Dykstra said that they basically had a a bowl of speed available in the locker room right. when he played. Like you could just go, you know, big bowl. I think they called them greenies then. A big bowl. You could just go grab. One or two, if you needed it, Pop now, it and- I
1: I I think that Lenny Dykstra probably kept taking a little too many greenies after <laughs> after he retired. But yeah, I mean, it, you, it's it, that is one of those things about baseball, though, and you could probably say it's about any sports. Like like going back to the Last Dance, Jordan told the story of like his rookie year going to a party and like just seeing like his teammates just doing cocaine, like everybody right. was doing cocaine. Like and, and there was the Mets, like the story of the Mets in the '80s, like everybody's doing cocaine. I mean. I think you could probably argue if you're gonna argue that steroids is a performance enhancing drug, you could probably argue that cocaine is probably gonna help you out in some way with baseball.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's I just don't know where you draw the line. So uh anyway, that was uh that was a long detour. Over the floodgates, let them all in. <laughs> um what'd you think of Draymond's thing the other day when he was talking about the Andre Drummond situation and the, the team sitting Andre Drummond while they find a trade partner versus, you know, the whole idea of like James Harden trying to demand his way out.
1: Um, I, I watched, I, I did watch it and I was, I liked what he said. And it's, I think there's, I, I think there's multiple layers to it, to what he said. I do like though, that he did point out, like he did make sure to mention the fact that Harden absolutely dogged it his last days at Houston. And, and he was, and Harden had some blame there. Yeah for the way that he handled the situation at the end of his days in Houston. But there's going to be a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of people making the argument that like, oh, you're millionaires, quit complaining. Like just you're contractually obligated. It's – I guess, sure. I guess there's some sense of like they're wealthy and like they're well off and like they should just be happy that they're doing what they're doing. But there is a sense of it's okay for an organization to do one thing, but it's not okay for the player to do – you know the exact same thing on like the scale that they do it. Yeah. And I don't think that like the Cavs sitting Andre Drummond to trade him is a big deal because I don't think that – I don't think Andre Drummond wants to go out there and potentially hurt himself and get out – to get out of Cleveland. Like I think he's perfectly happy just sitting on the bench and working out and then getting traded in two weeks. But I do think there is an issue when dudes find out at the gas station that they've been traded by some random guy or like – um Going, you know, switch, going to the NFL, like Deshaun Watson being told one that he's going to be very involved in the search for the general manager. Right. And like the next thing he knows, they've hired some guy and they never consulted him about it. I think there's. You're like, I, I get it. You're a player. You are the reason that the organization is in the situation they are like without the players, those billionaires that own the team, would it be making millions and millions of dollars from the team? without the players there's no profit there's no income there's no fans all that stuff so i get it man i get that you just like the players just don't want to be afterthoughts in these decisions that completely change their life yeah like they're millionaires but they all have families they've got kids that are in schools like you know if draymond's in the san francisco area he's got two kids that are you know i don't i'm just I'm, i don't know if he has kids i'm just right, using yeah, him as an example, example yeah. He's got two kids that are, you know, eight and 10 years old in school, comfortable, like they've developed a life there and then
0: they
1: have friends and like, you know, the wife's comfortable and like, she has like friends and family and like, whatever, they built a life there. And then because you don't shoot the ball as well as you did two years ago, a guy in an office is going to decide that you're moving to Boston or you're moving to Orlando. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. There are elements and he points this out and like I, I listened to, I heard Dwayne Wade on TNT point this out last night. there's there's more aspects to the things that go on with these decisions other than just what team you play for
0: yeah, for sure yeah I, I so, think that the biggest difference in what he was saying though for me is I mean organizations are paying you so like should NBA players have a little bit um, more power in the situation? Yeah, probably so. Are NBA players treated terribly when it's them that that yeah. want out versus the the fr- franchise saying that they want you out? Yes, that's that's all BS. But at the end of the day, like, the, the organization is paying you, not the other way around. So right. I think on that hand, that's where maybe the comparison was a little bit off. I, I don't think it's the same thing for a guy that's getting paid millions of dollars versus you know the person that's paying you. Like I I think they they are different scenarios. But I, I do I th- agree with what he said as far as how players are villainized for taking their stance against an organization.
1: But I, I think it's I think it's an unrealistic comparison too for a lot of people to make when they say, oh you're contractually like you sign the contract, you're obligated. But meanwhile like they work a normal nine to five. If they're not happy at their job, they can just go start applying at other jobs and take a job and leave whenever they want. These dudes can't like athletes, professional athletes don't have that luxury if they're under contract. Like they can't just decide to try and go work somewhere else. So they have to manipulate the system and ask for trades and you know, it becomes public. And they're, like you said, they're villainized and James Harden wanting out of Houston. I get it. Like, he 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 spent almost a decade there and they got close a couple of times and they tried a ton of different like variations of teams like they brought in Dwight Howard for him they brought in Chris Paul Russell Westbrook like they tried multiple things and it became very evident this year that like things were trending down really fast and if the dude wants out like you can't be mad at him because he gave him a decade and he never like he never sat out he played almost every game and if the guy wants out, then just res- like respect that he wants out. He could have handled it better for sure. He, yeah. he he went out there and half-assed it for about a month and a half, but I it I, I just think it's stupid. It it falls into the the shut up and dribble camp, I guess. Right, right. Where like these dudes do more like these guys have more lives outside of just playing getting paid to play basketball. There's there's more variables that go into these things and yeah, I, I I am getting tired of like the NBA players just changing teams every other year, but I think that there is there there needs to be some sense of equal playing ground, I guess, on being able to choose like you know, if you want to go somewhere else. Because if like Draymond said, if a team decides that you're traded, nobody cares. Like it's just that right. it's just yeah. that front office doing good work. <laughs> yeah. So but I mean we do it in Oklahoma City. We 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 do it in Oklahoma City though. If Sam Presti decides that he's going to trade Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul and a couple of first-round picks, we say, you know what, damn, that was a good trade. Great work by Sam Presti. But if Paul George wants out and wants to go to play for a different team, we villainize him. Right. And, you know, he, we say that he's a terrible person and, oh, same old Paul George. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's a double yep. standard for sure.
0: No, it it absolutely is. And And, look, I think a lot of that is predicated on people having – you know, interest in their team winning. You know, like yep. you make a trade, you're you're hoping that it's going to work out and and that's going to propel you to to win. And you have one of your players that decides he doesn't want to be there anymore. Well, this guy's a jerk because he doesn't want to help us win anymore. You know, like it's. Yep. I, I think that that is a big part of it. Um, I also think the NBA is in such a. I, I think on a slippery slope with. I, I think just player movement in general. Like, it's, it's gotten to the point that, the I mean, the landscape of the league feels like it changes every single offseason. Yep. And while it, that's a lot of fun, it makes the offseason a ton of fun, there's just such so little consistency that why wouldn't a player potentially, like, you, you sign a five-year deal, sure, with with maybe the expectation that this is what it's going to look like, but two years later, the entire league... Much less your own team could look completely, completely different. Like that's why that's why it's hard. Like you want players to honor their contracts, and on on the other hand, you know, players want, um, I, I think, transparency from the front office, which they don't get either. But I think on both sides of this thing, like the landscape of the league just changes so drastically that everybody's thoughts and opinions and feelings about any situation are also going to change.
1: I know personally. I know for me, just as a fan, like it's it's lessened my fandom to an extent. Like it's just, yeah. I, I I'm a sports fan that I need somebody to hate. Like I need a villain, and when the landscape of the league changes every year, every other year, like it's hard. It's hard to develop for the league to develop a villain. Like it's hard to get that like mid like that the Warriors like where like you don't care who beats them, you just want to see them lose, right. Like, like th- I guess the Nets are kind of that team this year. But even I watch the Nets and I'm like, eh, I don't care. They're probably all going to be on different teams next year anyway, or in two years. Like it's, I, I, I get it. I get why the players are doing it though because it, they're signing short-term deals to try and capitalize on their short-term value and like just continuing to build up. Because I think it's, I think it's a wiser investment to do that. Yeah. Than it is to sign a, you know, like an eight-year deal where at the end of the contract. You know, you look at it, and you're like, man, I could have signed five two-year contracts and made more money. Yeah.
0: I, I just think but. that we're, we're in this period where, like you just said, the, I, I think the smarter move for a lot of guys is to sign the short-term deals, but is there risk with that? Absolutely. If you get hurt, you're not getting the, the payday for five seasons, but here's the thing. You can't have it all. Like, you either need to sign – like, that's, that's where I think there's some pushback on these guys that si- sign five-year contracts – and then one out two years later. Like, yes, the league is changing every day. And yes, the the landscape of the league a year from today could look completely different. But you know that going into signing a five-year deal. You're signing away the power for you to make those decisions by, by basically getting the security of a paycheck for that period of time. So that's where I think it's, I, I don't know what the right answer is. It's tricky. I don't think players should be villainized for speaking out against organizations and wanting out of situations. But again, you know, I said this with the steroid thing, like where do we draw the line as far as what's okay and what's not okay? Because you can't have every player in the NBA signing long-term contracts and then a year later saying, hey, I want out. Right.
1: I, I, and I, I think there are some situations. I think the situations can dictate the players being in the right, in the public eye, like Bradley Bill. Nobody's looking at Bradley Bill and saying, oh, he's so selfish that he wants Sally. Like, everybody's yeah. like, okay, I get it. Like, he needs right. to get out of Washington. Right. Which is why I think, you know, I think the Deshaun Watson thing is is interesting because I don't know if there's anybody that's looking at that scenario and saying that Deshaun Watson is the villain or in the wrong for right. running out of there. Like, everybody views the front office and the organization as the one in the wrong. And so, which they'll probably won't trade him and then it'll turn it into a whole thing. But like, generally speaking, yeah, I like... If a, especially if a player, like, I think like if it's a Paul George situation where they are on a team for two years and then one out and you know, they commit it long term, then I think it hurts the fan base a little bit more, but it's, yeah, I, I I definitely am not a fan. Like I said, of players changing teams constantly, but dude, who cares? Like it's the same thing in my opinion with college football. Like if a kid wants to transfer, like who cares? Just let it like, let him go be where he wants to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think you, I I just, the hardest thing I have with that is don't sign the five-year deal. Like if you don't want to, if you know that, uh, you know, the league is changing daily and there's a very good chance that, that you could be on a contender one year and your team is a lottery team the next year. Like don't sign the five ter- five year deal. Like that's it's. Yeah, but I mean, there's but there's so many variables to it, and
1: like things that we that we will never know about. Like there's like who knows if you know Paul George can't get along with the front office, or like yeah. Paul George and Billy Donovan are arguing every day, or Paul George and like there's just there's so many things that we just won't know about, and that these dudes are these guys are professionals, and like the organizations are professionals. Like they don't and they won't let the stuff get out. But like you you never know. Yeah. Like. If, in a in a perfect world, if everything's going well behind the scenes, you would assume that a player is probably not going to want to be traded, right? Especially if they're on a decent team. If you're playing on the Wizards, like <laughs> yeah. even if you get along with everybody, yeah. you're going to suck and you're tired of sucking and losing. But yeah, I think that there's just so many things going on, and a lot can like a lot can change in two. You sign a five-year deal and you play two years. A lot changes in two years. Like you're, the perspective of the people around you, uh, you know, fans' opinion on you. Like everything changes. So. I, I think it's just we kinda like you said, we villainize people the players for asking out, but I think it's it's just one of those things where it's gotta be a case by case basis. Like yeah. If if tomorrow Anthony Davis wakes up and decides he's sick of being in LA and wants to be traded, okay. You signed a big deal. Yeah. You're on our good team, like you're in the wrong here. But like I said, Bradley Bill wants out of Washington, I think he's in the
0: right. I think I think most people just in a in a standard situation are gonna side with the organization over the, team, the player yeah. unless the organization has shown that they're a complete shit show, like the Houston Texans. In that case, yeah. then people get behind uh the player. But like remember the Kawhi Leonard and in, in San Antonio situation? Yeah, I mean, he
1: had a sore hamstring for about eighty games.
0: Yeah. And I yeah. mean Kawhi was kind of villainized over the whole thing, right? For for Yeah and it wasn't even
1: him. It was uh, was his uncle that was like going out and saying a bunch of super shit. Like they were they wanted to sign the most ex- lucrative deal with Jordan and all this stuff. Like wanted to get a yeah. big market. Yeah.
0: Well, it was it was just a really sticky situation where both sides I think were at fault for different things. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Kawhi was the guy that kind of got villainized throughout that for whole sure. thing. In the aftermath, I think people started pointing at San Antonio and saying that they had screwed up. But while all that was happening, people were like all over Kawhi Leonard. So I, I
1: was, I know I, I I, I vividly remember, you know, criticizing him for almost the entire season for what he was doing, because it was, it was pretty evident that he wasn't actually hurt. you know, when he missed five and a half months with a sore hamstring or whatever it was, it was, it was pretty obvious that he was sitting out to get traded, but so be it. Like, is it, I I don't know. I, I, again, I think this is a, there are a lot of gray areas in this argument because as a fan of the Spurs, you want Kawhi out there playing because you know he's the best player in your team and he's contractually obligated to be out there playing for the team. But right. at the same time, if he doesn't want to be there, all it's doing is just slowing down the progress of your team. Like It, it's, it might help you that night, but long-term, it's detrimental.
0: Yeah. I I heard this. Uh, maybe like a year ago. I, I don't even remember how long it's been. But there was an idea uh, about how to restructure the league. With all the player movement we have, with guys you know having this ability to force their way out of situations, with guys deciding to team up every year, with some markets having very little ability to climb out of a hole and seeing these super teams, this idea was thrown out What if every offseason, all 30 teams redrafted the entire league every (laughs) offseason and you got paid based on your draft slot? So the number one overall pick in the league would, you know, make, let's say like the highest paid player in the NBA right now makes like $45 million a year. The number one pick gets $45 million. And there's no, this way, there's no contract disputes It's slotted based on the current pay or the current market. And you just go all the way down the list and 32 teams are going to have the best 32 players. And it just, I don't know. You don't like your situation. Then the next year you redraft. And the other thing is it constantly keeps guys on one year contracts where they have to produce. So, okay, I, if you get if you told me
1: that each team gets one keeper, I, I I'm in because I think that I think a, one of the best things about sports is you know one guy being on the same team forever and like you know like Jordan and the Bulls like kind of building that yeah. like dynamic relationship between the team and the player and like you think of one you think of the other you can't you know they they're always tied together when you think about them so give me keepers that's fine but. Ooh. I think that would be fun for the sense that like every year you don't know who's going to win. So like the excitement level would be great, but I think you, you would definitely run into situations where the, okay. So who, who would be like the 25th best player in the league? It's like somebody like,
0: I don't know. Let's uh, Devin Booker. Yeah. I don't know. He's probably in in that somewhere in that range.
1: Maybe okay. Perfect example. Devin Booker gets drafted to some team and they suck. And he plays like 15 games and like, it's just evident that they're terrible because, yeah. and I would assume in this situation, they're not snaking in the draft. It's just a fixed draft where like a normal draft.
0: Uh, I mean, you'd probably have to snake it because you couldn't, I mean, okay.
1: Okay. That, okay. That yeah. was my that was where I was getting with this is, if you snake it, that changes. But if it's in a fixed order, then yeah. whoever the 30th team is, they're going to be terrible. And what's to stop that entire team from just saying, we're not playing? Like, yeah. what's the
0: point of playing? You'd have to snake it, I think.
1: Yeah. I think it would, be, it would be obnoxious. And it would go against every fiber of my sports-like fandom to do that. But I sound like one of those crotchety old baseball fans. <laughs> who are like, I don't want any change.
0: But that's the thing. We get change basically every year in the NBA anyway.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: and it would it would give more competitive balance here's the other thing Look, if you're devin I'll, booker I'll, and your team sucks guess what you were their first round pick every team has a first round pick you are the primary guy responsible yeah. for how good your team is like you've got to be better i will say this one I, obviously we wouldn't get the
1: scenario it well uh, let me rephrase this. There's a, I, there's a lot of things you could take away from is, is this scenario. One, there would be new superstars every year being built because yeah. guys that would typically be the fourth option on a team or now the second option on a team. Yeah. Paired with like, you know, a pretty good player, especially if you were at the end of the first round, like you have a legitimate chance or like if you're the if you're you know, whoever, if you're. Lou Dort, and you're the third best player on the team with LeBron. Like, who knows? You might be a star. You might be a first-round pick next year. Who knows? It, so it, it would help the development of the, like, middle-tier players of the league for sure. Um, The parody would be fun. Like, not – like, every year, like, it would be unpredictable going into the season. The draft would be a lot of fun. Draft would be huge – Yeah. Like it's hell, we could have, we could
0: spend 30 minutes having an argument right now who would be the first pick in this scenario. Yeah. Like, and, and again, like, you know, if it's slotted from a financial standpoint, like you get what you get based on where you're slotted. So you're motivated every year to give your best because your neck, the next season where you get drafted depends on it. So if you're Devin Booker and you're the 25th pick if you decide you don't want to play anymore, like maybe teams are a little bit scared to draft you high the following year. Cause what if you do the same thing to them? So you're, so, so you're, you're financially motivated every year to yeah. be at your best. I, I mean, you think about it, let's say if you're LeBron
1: James and his entire career had played out this way with this, like this, this redraft every year. Yeah. So is is it like so? The first pick is forty-five million. The second pick is like forty-four and a half. And yeah, it's like each yes. one goes down. Right, something like that. Yeah. Okay. If LeBron every year is a top ten pick, you could argue that he is making forty million a year. Yeah. Which there's no contract structure that's ever been done, or probably ever will be done. Where it pays a guy forty five million dollars every year. Like yeah. these guys mm-hmm. that are making forty five now, like a Russell Westbrook, yeah. they're at the end of their contract. They were they weren't getting paid forty five three years ago when they signed it, or four years ago when they signed it, they were getting paid like thirty eight. Right. And it's gone up every year because they backloaded it. As a player, you if you did if you were a top ten pick like LeBron James and this I mean, he's a obviously like an exception, like you could argue that in fifteen years he could make $700 million just from his contract earnings. Yeah. I mean, there's a big incentive, especially for the top of the league to make big money. Now where you might lose some players is Ian Mahimi. Is not going to get 20 million a year?
0: <laughs> right. But I mean, it's, will you're getting your value. Contract. If you play really well, you're going to get drafted higher yeah. the next year. Anyway, if you don't play well, yeah. then, you know, you're either going to get drafted low or you're going to eventually fall out of the league. Like it just, I, those three-point shooters are going to get paid. Paid.
1: Seth Curry's going to be going number two because he's, he's the best <laughs> shooter in the NBA. Uh,
0: I, I think, I don't know. I don't know that I would love it, but I think it's definitely interesting. I don't think it's a terrible idea. And once again, based on, I, I think, the lack of balance in the league, this fixes that. This keeps players motivated to play. Every single season, like they're on a contract year, Uh, it gives, I I think, every team in the league the excitement and every fan base, the excitement going into every season that they're going to have a chance. Um, And, you know, again, you you avoid these Anthony Davis issues, these James Harden issues where, um, you know, how do you you how do you determine the draft order?
1: Is it a is it lottery like how random?
0: That would probably be record. the best way to do it, yeah, because you couldn't. I mean, your team's going to be completely different, you know, the next year. Yeah. So I don't think you could do it based on the previous year's yeah. results. So yeah, yeah it'd probably could. have to just be completely at random.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, I think it would definitely keep the fan bases more interested because in that scenario, the Kings aren't at forty percent capacity for a decade. Yeah, because eventually you would assume they're going to have a good team.
0: Right, maybe. I mean, their front office maybe just drafts horribly every <laughs> single year. That's,
1: that, I mean, that's a reality. You could take Seth
0: Curry <laughs> at five. Yeah, I, that's true. Yeah, I think. And and look, as far as how how GMS are building teams, like that's another thing that would be really interesting.
1: It would. It would. I would definitely add a lot more, like dynamic, like interest in the league just yeah. because. It, I mean, uh, uh, the crazy thing is, like, we're having this conversation. The NBA is not too far off from this just actually being what happens every year.
0: <laughs> right. I know. Again, Like, when I first heard it, I thought, like, that's crazy. I don't even, like, why would you even consider that? But the more I think about it, like, you, you have all these guys, though. like, wanting to... I mean, what NBA All-Star right now is with the same team today that he was, like, five years ago? Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Like, maybe by...
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I guess Bradley Bill. Yeah. Like he sucks. He doesn't even want to be there. Right. Like he, they're, they're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a handful. Giannis. Right. But, let me, yeah, but mo- yeah, I get your point. Like, there's a lot that have changed teams. Some have changed multiple times. Yeah.
0: Like, the Durant's best, been on the, two teams. The best players in the NBA. Like, when you start thinking about the very best players in the NBA, Durant has now been on three teams. LeBron has been on three, three. teams, right? Four, but he, he was in Cleveland twice, so he's, he's actually moved more than that. Um,
1: Harden's been on three. Harden's
0: been on three. I mean, Westbrook's a former MVP winner. He's been on three. Kyrie's been on, like, seven. Yeah. No, I think he's been on three. He's been <laughs> on three, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than the young, the the guys that are veteran players in the NBA that are, Kawhi has been on three. Yep. Paul George has been on three. Jimmy Butler has been on.
1: That, like seven. He's legitimately yeah. been on like seven. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that stopped guys like Donovan Mitchell from being like on three or four teams is they just haven't gotten, I mean, they really haven't gotten to the point where they could get max deals. Right. Exactly. He hasn't gotten to the point where he can get the super max. They're still so. trying.
0: Yeah. They're just still trying to get paid.
1: Right. And he needs to stay. He gets more money by staying on the same team for you know yeah. a certain amount of years. Yeah. Chris Paul's been on how many? Uh, career wise, or just like in the last like five or six years? Either or. It's
0: it's a bunch. <laughs> uh,
1: career, he's been on New Orleans, uh, Clippers, Houston, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, five. Yeah. And four of them, three of them were in the past five years. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. You brought this up, and I was like, this is the most absurd idea I've ever heard in my life. And then, like you said, the more you think about it, it's, it's basically what happens already.
0: Right, except for we're making it better, and we're, we're giving more competitive balance. We're, we're I think, helping a perform-for-pay type scenario where, because here's the other thing in the NBA, there are some really bad contracts.
1: Oh, Ian Mahimi type guys? Yeah. yeah, right. For sure.
0: Yeah, there are guys that get, you're just like, what? And then there are situations where, you know, NBA teams, like, wh- a couple years ago, what was it, J.J. Reddick got, like, 23 or 24 million because yep. Philly needed to hit the floor. Shooter, yep. So yeah. they just... They, so they un- un- gave him a one-year yeah. they gave him, like, yeah. a one, yeah. And and what that does is that also drives up the market for other players in, in his position because they're like, well, J.J. Reddick got 24 million. So, like, I'm, you know... I don't know, man. I think it would be really intriguing. And, again, I think... At, while I think we all fantasize about getting that, you know, Giannis type of player in the draft that's going to be the leader of your team and is going to stay there for a decade, the reality of the NBA is just not really that. I mean, that's a that's the exception, not the rule. So, and and I think and, if you, Giannis, if, I think it would be kind so of fun of to get excited 18. about a whole new group of guys every year. Yeah, and it's the NBA,
1: like. If you're a even if you're a casual NBA fan, you probably know 85% of the league. Yeah, it's not like baseball or football where like who the hell is this guy? I don't know who this (laughs) is. You're gonna know most of the players. Yeah, you're gonna know your 10 deep pretty well if you keep up with the NBA at a casual pace. Yeah. Hell, let's do it. Let's do it for like three years to see how it goes.
0: Uh, We should. Yeah, they should have test run it this year. Test ran it. Yep. I guess would be not run. I mean, it. you know, LeBron would probably be pretty pissed because he'd have
1: to go back to playing on the Cavs. <laughs> LeBron's like, I did this for yeah, like eight years in yeah. Like, I don't want to go back to being, you know, the second best player, being Booby Gibson. Yeah, which would have happened if they snaked the draft. Like his his second best player is gonna be the 60th best player in the league. Yeah.
0: Now you know I I feel for the you know the veteran players that may have families that you know you don't kind of sucks that they might have to be in like boston one year new york the next year san antonio but again i mean there are so many players in the league right now that are changing teams on a yearly basis that so here's what you do if you do
1: this just reduce the number of games in the season so those players can have more time at home there you go and then you can and then you can consolidate the schedule where like you know, if you like the home team, you play like you play four games in a week and then the, that team doesn't play. Oh, you can figure it out. Yeah. If, if we're going this crazy where we're doing this, the schedule shouldn't be too difficult to work out yeah. where you could give the players a little bit more time at home.
0: Do you do you think this makes the regular season more entertaining?
1: Oh, yeah, because you would assume that there's gonna be more competitive balance. Yeah. Like I, it's it's got to be a scenario where a team winning 60 games is, like, unthinkable.
0: Yeah, I that would be really tough. Unless, you know, you get, like, a... I don't know. Like, you're somehow able to draft a guy like Pascal Siakam, you know, before everybody knows yeah, I mean, he's good, in, like, the fifth round, and then basically you have, an all like, an all-star to pair with a first-round pick. But, right. you know, again, that puts a big emphasis on not only talent evaluation in the front office, but on what type of team you're building too.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's it was like, I mean, it's wild, wild West NBA sign me up for it. Yeah. I don't care. The NBA is the league I care the least about. So why not make it the most <laughs> insane?
0: Yeah. It, it's just such a crazy league anyway. And the off season is so nuts now and people love it. Like people love the NBA offseason. I know people it's I know a lot of NBA fans that like the NBA offseason more than the NBA regular season.
1: maybe not the playoffs, but
0: i I know a lot of people that enjoy the yeah. offseason movement more than the actual eighty two game regular season. I'm probably one of those people for sure. like yeah. the the at
1: midnight when the moratorium starts, I'm like, okay, let's yeah. go. But, like, regular season, I'm like, it's January. I'm like, oh, i probably start watching some basketball now.
0: Now imagine if you had, like, a three- or four-day draft event. I, don't, I, I mean, it may fun. take longer than that, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, these are, yeah, a lot of decisions. Because you're
0: not only drafting your team, you're probably having to draft, like, a G League team as well that yeah. you can pull players from in case you have injuries or because, obviously, there's not really a... I mean, I guess there is a free agent pool, but. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't know. I think it'd be awesome, man. It would be a lot of
1: fun. Hell, I don't care. Like I said, if the NFL or Major League Baseball propose this, I'm like, absolutely no oh, way. Oh, yeah, there's no way. But the NBA, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Who cares?
0: Right. Well, it just take it's it's significantly so. yeah, less so. people involved in basketball And the weight of one guy shifting teams doesn't have nearly the same ripple effect like in baseball and basketball as it does in the NBA. For sure. I mean, the ripple effect of one dude, like a Paul George, for example, making a move or a James Harden or I mean, even even uh, like Bogdanovich, the ripple effect of a Bogdanovich. Deciding he doesn't want to go somewhere or something like, like the ripple effect in the NBA is just tremendous. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, like you said. I mean, there's realistically like a team is playing 8 dudes a game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I would love to see like I don't know. I I don't know that we would I think the the league would would evolve as far as the style of basketball that we see on a yearly basis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it would probably eliminate the load management stuff because if you're LeBron James or you're Kawhi, and like you know we said a second ago, like you're set the second best player, your best teammate is a 55th best player in the league. You can't afford to sit out games. <laughs> yeah, you got to go full Michael Jordan, carry that team to a win on most nights.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would love it.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's get out of them silver drunk and convince them to do it.
0: I'm in. I'm in. We let's just cut his power and uh
1: Tell him the only way he gets electricity is if we do this.
0: Yeah, I'm in. Look, it, it'll only take maybe four or five hours. I think we'll have him. Yeah. Hour five sure. of no power hits and he'll cave. Just like that. If he lives in I mean, who knows? If
1: he lives in Texas, it might be an easy sell.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Or and, and add the water issue. I guess Oklahoma City right now is having water issues too. Their water grid is uh, oh, Unstable. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, yeah. Great. No power, like, and you can't. You're not. You're not supposed to take showers or, uh, yeah. Look, if they're if they're warning me that the water might go out, I'm about to go take me a 45
1: minute hot shower. <laughs> like, if they're gonna go ahead and tell me that it might go out, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to dry, drain every drop until <laughs> it <laughs> goes out. You're that if, guy. If it's gonna,
0: if it's gonna go out regardless. Yeah, if they're at the point they're telling you it's going to go out, then yeah. yeah. It's going now, out. No, if they're like, right. If they're
1: like, hey, try and conserve water because this might be an issue, then I'll conserve water. But if it's at the point that they're saying it's going out in two hours, I'm, gonna, I'm, See, yeah, I I, actually, I'm going to, yeah, I'll yeah, all out. If
0: they're at the point where they're telling you to conserve because there could be an issue, I think that there's already an issue. For sure. They wouldn't say anything. Right. Yeah, they're not like,
1: because yeah, like with the electrical stuff, if like, They thought this was going to be an issue. Like, yeah, they're not scheduling blackouts in ahead of time. They're scheduling blackouts because they're starting to have problems. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, so. Oh, well. Yikes. Hopefully we uh, get warm soon.
0: All right, man. Well, hopefully, uh, I'll be curious to see if uh, people have any feedback on this uh, this NBA idea. By the way, this was not my idea. I heard it like a year ago. Uh, I just thought it was really intriguing.
1: It's a wild idea. I will give you that. It is a wild idea.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 uh, here's the thing. It can't be worse. Because the NBA regular right. season now sucks. Sucks.
1: Yeah. I, 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 that was the point I was going to make earlier. I forgot. I like this idea immensely better than allowing 20 teams into the playoffs. Yeah. Which they're doing. So.
0: Yeah. There you go. I mean, what's the point of the regular season right now?
1: Right. Seeding, Not, I nothing, guess. Every team gets in. <laughs> yeah. Who
0: cares? Yeah. Home court doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, my friends, stay warm. uh, Holler if you need anything, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. All right, see I'm about to go take an hour-long shower. (laughs) Aaron Davis on the Colby Daniels Podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD and Delta 8. I'm a customer at Artisan Botanicals and they are great people. They'll take great care of you and they are dedicated to helping you live a better life. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to give them a call. 405-458-9699. Plus, right now, we're saving you 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com with the discount code COLBYSHOW. So, very easy. Go to abotanicalcompany.com, place your order, discount code COLBYSHOW at checkout for 15% off your online order. Again, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, everybody have a great day. Stay safe and I will talk to you, God willing, tomorrow. The okay. is over.